Good evening and welcome to E-Bible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 33 of Revelation chapter 6. We're going to read verses 14 through 17. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Well, we've been looking at Revelation 6 for several weeks, and now we're coming to the close of this chapter, We've seen in our last study that it is uh, God's intention to judge the world, to remove salvation from them, to remove all covering for sin, leaving the sins of all unsaved people exposed on the day of judgment, and yet they will not... Um, sit or or rest content with that situation, they are attempting to cover their own sins, to cover their own selves, just as Adam and Eve, um, immediately after the fall, attempted to cover their physical nakedness by sewing fig leaves together. This This is the natural inclination of man to cover his sin from the eyes of an angry God. And Judgment Day is a day when God's coming to visit where he is coming to punish mankind for all of the sins that are exposed to the eyes of him with whom we have to do, to the eyes of God. And the Bible calls this the great day of wrath. As we read in Revelation 6, verse 17, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Now, uh, it is true that every unsaved person lived their whole life with God's wrath upon them. As we read in John chapter 3, in verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That is, God's wrath remained upon that individual. All the days of the sinner's life, like some sort of uh, dark cloud hanging overhead, the, the fierce anger of God was upon every unsaved individual throughout their entire life. Yet that does not mean that there is not a particular day of wrath, a day that God has set aside, a day of vengeance, that he intends to punish the unsaved people of the world in a way that they have never been punished before. And the Bible uh, throughout identifies that day as Judgment Day, the day of the Lord, the great day of his wrath. We read 
in Zephaniah, in chapter 1. It says in verse 14, The great day of Jehovah is near, it is near, and hasteth greatly even the voice of the day of Jehovah. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And also in verse 18 of Zephaniah 1, Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Jehovah's wrath. Now, now we have learned that that day is a prolonged period of time, and, and that's God's prerogative if he wishes to identify a period of time as a, as a day. Uh, he's, he's, uh, permitted to do that, and he's already done that in the Bible. He calls Israel's 40 year sojourn in the wilderness the day of temptation, and he calls judgment day the day of the Lord or the day of wrath even though that day continues for an extended period of time. There's a good possibility that the duration of Judgment Day will be 1,600 days, over four years in time. And and yet it's all the day of wrath. In the next chapter of Zephaniah, in Zephaniah 2, where the Lord is encouraging souls to... Uh, seek him, in verse 3, Seek ye Jehovah, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of Jehovah's anger. The, the day of wrath, the day of anger. And that day is a set time that the Bible refers to as an appointed day. Uh, we, we read that in Acts chapter 17, in verse 31, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. God appointed a particular day for judgment. And, and of course, the Lord, uh, as is his pattern in the Bible, he revealed the timing of that day to his servants, the prophets. He revealed that day would be May 21, 2011. That would be the beginning of Judgment Day. That is the day, and these days after this prolonged period of judgment, that Revelation 6 is describing when it is speaking of the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and so on, saying to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And the Lamb is a reference to Christ. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? That's a good question. Who shall be able to stand? And what does God mean by this word stand? 
And uh, God doesn't waste words. He's very particular, very exact in everything he says. And, well, what does he mean here? The great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Let's look into the Bible to find this very interesting word, stand, and how God uses it elsewhere in the scripture. Let's begin with 1 Samuel chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. And here we find the, the men of Beth Shemesh. They had received the ark of God from the Philistines because while the ark was in the land of the Philistines, it was bringing awful judgments upon them. And so the Philistines quickly had to remove it out of their land, and they sent it unto Beth Shemesh. And we read in 1 Samuel chapter 6, in verse 19, And he smote the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of Jehovah. Even he smote of the people fifty thousand and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented, because Jehovah had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, And the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Jehovah God, and to whom shall he go up from us? These men of Beth Shemesh were Israelites, yet God likewise brought death to them for daring to look into the ark that ark that God had given such careful instructions and commands that only Levites were to handle, and and that ark which would be inside the Holy of Holies, and and the high priest would come in once a year uh, with incense, a cloud of smoke, so that it would not be um, very well visible to him. And yet these Israelites dared to... Uh, to look into the ark of God. And and God responded by smiting over 50,000 Israelites. He killed them. He took their lives from them. And so the men of Beth Shemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Jehovah God? Very similar statement to what is being said by the unsaved inhabitants of the earth in Revelation 6.17, the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Who will stand before this holy God? And And yes, it is, because God is holy, he cannot abide sin. And therefore as he is visiting mankind for their sins, anyone that has sin upon him that is bearing their own iniquity will not be able to stand before God. This is um, what Psalm 1 declares in Psalm 1, verses 4 and 5. In, in this beautiful psalm that begins the the psaltery the book of psalms it says in verse 4 the ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away therefore the ungodly 
shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. And that answers the question in a negative way. Who shall be able to stand? Well, none of the ungodly shall be able to stand. They may appear initially and with the hope of standing. Perhaps there are many ungodly that profess to be Christian, true believer, and and they have a hope of standing before God, that holy Lord God, and yet they do not stand because they never truly became born again. We also read in Psalm 130 this statement that really explains God's salvation program. In Psalm 130, it says in verse 3, If thou, Jehovah, shouldst mark iniquities... O Lord, who shall stand? And that is, if God ceased to be long-suffering, if God determined, well, now is the appointed day, now is the time in which I will come to visit the world, and I will see who has repented from their sin, who has created within themselves a new heart. And of course, no man can do those things that God commands to say who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and and who has kept the law perfectly. God will come to see all these things and he will find utter failure. He will find unsaved people that that have not believed in the way the Bible requires. That is, when you say, well, I'll believe on the Lord and keep that law, you've placed yourself under the whole law, and therefore you're obligated to obey everything, and nobody can do that. And and so they, they're not righteous. They're not justified by the works of the law. And on the day of judgment, the day when God marks iniquities, he... He comes, and now he sees, all right, this sinner uh, has his sins upon him, and and this sinner, and and this sinner, and yet uh, now this one has no sin because he has truly become born again, and his sins have been paid for in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world. And, and so God is not counting or imputing any iniquity to that individual because he has no iniquity to count. There, There is no sin remaining upon him. And so he goes to the next person. Yes, you bear sin, and now the the judgment is upon you. The wrath of God is is coming down upon you in the day of judgment. You will experience the punishment of God throughout this period of time and then be completely annihilated at the close of the period of judgment day. And and so th- this is what God means about standing. It, you know, um, we read really a definition of what it is to stand before God in, in Romans 
chapter 5. Well, this is one of a few verses where God defines what he means to stand before him. In Romans 5, it says in verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, here God is indicating that by faith some um, into grace some stand. The true believers, the elect, stand by the faith of Christ. They stand in the grace of God that has been bestowed upon them uh, through nothing they have done themselves. It is unmerited favor. It is completely a result of the work of the Lord Jesus on their behalf as he has uh, purchased them and atoned for all sin and paid the penalty the law demanded in full. This grace wherein we stand. And and this, uh, it answers the question in the positive that is raised in Revelation 6 and verse 17. The great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? The answer, all who stand by the grace of God. All who are recipients of the goodness and and graciousness of the merciful God of the Bible. It says in Romans 14, in verse 4, Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And and that is exactly what Romans 5.2 is saying, that it's by the grace of God. Uh, as it says, remember in Ephesians 2, in, in verse 8, I think, yeah, uh, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And and uh, that is what Romans 14.4 is saying, that uh, his own master, he standeth or falleth. God makes one man to stand. That I have saved Jacob, and he makes another to fall. And he did not elect or predestinate Esau. And and so one stands by grace, and the other falls without that grace. God is able to make him stand. You know, by the way, this makes um, the verse also in Romans 14 more interesting for us to consider in verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all stand. And... We have previously thought, well, this is talking about all the unsaved. Well, no. Who stands before God? The the one who has found faith. The one who stands by the grace of God. 
and who does not stand before God. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That is, initially they may stand before him, but they will fall. They will not continue or be able to endure in standing or abiding before him. Their sins will not permit it. But the true believers stand before God. And here we find ourselves on the earth living in the day of judgment and therefore standing before this judgment seat of God. And as it says in Second Corinthians chapter 5, in, in this passage where true believers are in view throughout, as it says in Second Corinthians 5, verse 5, Now he that has wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also has given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now who is we referring to? Well, there is no doubt the true believers. And then verse 7, For we... Walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident. In verse 8, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Again, who is we referring to? The true believers. Verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Again, who is the we referring to? It can only be the true believers. Verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The we is referring to the true believers. And the word appear is the Greek word translated as manifest. We must all be made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. We have uh, stood in Christ from the foundation of the world as he took upon himself our sins and and paid that penalty and he died and and therefore we were in him but now in the day of judgment for the world when God is judging the sins of mankind we the true believers are made manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. It is manifest that our sins were already paid for because no wrath is upon us. No fire of the spiritual fire that God has kindled in his anger is burning us up. We are enduring the day of judgment And therefore, we are making manifest that our sins have been forgiven. You know, it it says back in Malachi, in, in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, in verses 2 and 3, in Malachi 3, verse 2, But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? Just as our verse in Revelation 6.17 asks the question, so it's asked here in Malachi, who will abide, that is, remain or endure, 
the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? Now here God goes on to answer the question, For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto Jehovah in offering in righteousness. You see, God is indicating that the sons of Levi and the Levites, they were his inheritance. The Levites are mine, saith the Lord. The sons of Levi are typified as gold and silver being purified by the fire of judgment day, the day of his coming, according to verse 2. The day when he appeareth, the day of wrath that Revelation is referring to, the day when the question is asked, who shall stand? Who is going to endure this spiritual fire that is burning up the chaff? As as God goes on to describe it in Malachi 4, in verse 1, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all the do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith Jehovah of hosts, that shall not leave them neither root nor branch. It will burn up the wicked finally, but the true believer, the sons of Levi, will come forth as silver and gold. They shall stand to answer the question. They will remain and endure unto the end. They will come through the fire that was lit in God's anger. And and they uh, will survive. In Zechariah 13, God says in verse 8, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith Jehovah, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call my name, and I will hear them. I will say, It is my people, and they shall say, Jehovah is my God. This is the uh, wonderful answer that, that any child of God can give to the question posed in in this serious verse in in this very um, dark day of judgment as revelation six seventeen asks that question, who shall be able to stand let's just finally look at one other place in Ephesians six and then we'll close our study. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. God's people stand 
as God has equipped them with the spiritual armor that accompanies his salvation, with the spiritual armor that will endure even the fiercest and and the most grievous period of time that uh, that there has ever been, as God's people will stand in the judgment. 